and welcome to this segment of the Wise Up Texas podcast. This is your host, Azra Siddiqui, and joining me today is... Gunam Kaji, DFW board member of Wise Up Texas. And we're here to give you the rundown for Super Tuesday. Um, Poonam, I'm going to hand it off to you. Uh, let's talk about the U.S. Senate race. I know everybody is talking about the presidential stuff, but a lot of stuff happened um, on the state level that we want to give you all the deets on. And we also want to highlight some of the many South Asians that ran for office. And while there were so many South Asians that ran for office on the local level, on the state level, and on the congressional level, which is super, super exciting, uh, today we're going to mainly focus on the state and congressional levels. But before we get there, uh, let's talk about the U.S. Senate. So, Poonam, what do you have to tell us about that? Sure. So, you know, this was um, basically the race uh, against incumbent John Cornyn, um, who has been a senator for Texas for a very long time. You know, one of our two senators, the other one is Ted Cruz, and each senator um, kind of takes turns uh, in the election cycle being up for re-election. So it's, it's Cornyn's turn. Um, like I said, been in the tex- been a senator for Texas for a very, very long time. And a lot of interesting candidates emerged on the Democratic side. Um, of course, he, as the incumbent, had a stronghold on the Republican side. He did win his Republican primary. On um, the Democrat side, there was a number of folks running. Um, two of the most prominent ended up in a runoff. So these are Mary and Jay Hager, um, who got 22.3% of the vote, and Royce West, who got 14.5% of the vote. They will have a runoff on May 26th. That's a Tuesday, and it's the Tuesday after Memorial Day. We'll probably repeat that a couple of times throughout the podcast so everybody remembers when to go out for the runoff elections. Um you know, these are these two candidates, uh, just a quick note on them because we've got a lot to cover, but uh, MJ Hager um, really drummed up a lot of interest. Um, she had a, another campaign um, previously and got some national interest in her campaign um, and then ha- has had the most fundraising. So if you look at how much a campaign is able to raise, that's often an interesting way to see where, where the support is. And she was the number one fundraiser. Um, Royce West is a Dallas Democrat, long time um, in the te- um, Texas State House. And, um, you know, I think I think being here at DFW, I know a lot of people see him as a go-to leader. Uh, so anyways, those are the two. We're going to get to go back and vote for them. Uh, if you are going to vote in the Democratic primary. Otherwise, John Cornyn is your um, primary candidate for the Republican side. All right. And it seems like, you know, kind of on an off note, this Senate race didn't have as much hype as Beto's race, right? Like, I think uh, Beto had a lot of coverage on, you know, even just within his primary, he was visiting every single county within Texas it seemed like this uh, race, this U.S. Senate race, kind of was like under the radar. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on why that may be? Yeah, I think it's twofold. One, you know, Beto ran in in between year, right? Wasn't a presidential 
year. And um, one of the things that tends to happen um, with the presidential year is all the attention goes to the presidential candidates. And that really is what is exciting people and driving people out to go vote. It's, it's not that common that some of these other down-ballot races um, kind of get that celebrity attention. Uh, and in fact, I kind of noticed that among my friends you know, as they were going out to vote, everybody was so focused on the presidential that they hadn't really thought as much about other candidates and were asking, you know, hours before, wait, who am I supposed to be voting for on this one, right? So I think that's a big part of it. And then, of course, credit goes to Beto that he had um, a level of charisma that I think just captured a lot of people. Interesting. So we know that the U.S. Senate from Texas represents us in D.C. and is one of two representatives. Uh, but we also have congressional representatives that also represent our district and also represent us in D.C. Uh, we're going to kind of focus on those that came, those congressional races that have either a heavy South Asian population or had a South Asian running in office uh, for one of the offices. So uh, I'm going to start with U.S. House District 3 because, Poonam, you had also interviewed one of the candidates um, running for that position on the Democratic Party. So do you mind giving us the results on that? Yeah, so U.S. House District District 3 um, covers the Plano area. It's in Collin County. Uh, you know, definitely a lot of South Asian families live in the Plano area. Uh, we had there, um, the incumbent on the Republican side was uncontested, uh, Van Taylor. And then on um, the Democratic side, there were three candidates listed on the ballot, but really um, two of them were were heavily campaigning. So that's Lulu Sakely, who we did do a podcast interview with, and um, Sean McCafferty. And they ended up in an extremely close race, literally uh, off by, you know, thousands of votes maybe. So 44.5% and 43.8%. So this is definitely going to a runoff. Again, it'll be on May 26th. Um, and, you know, we I think it's fun to get to follow somebody running for office and, and Lulu's campaign has kind of been willing to share what it's like running for office. Uh, so, you know, we'll kind of stay tuned. And, of course, we'd like to hear from Sean, too, if he's interested in talking to our Wise Up followers. But we'll definitely um, stay tuned on that one. Uh, you know, everyone's just got to keep the energy and turnout again if you want to vote in the Democratic primary for U.S. House District 3. All right, and moving on, we're going to talk about U.S. House District 10, which uh, encompasses parts of Austin and goes east all the way towards Houston. Um, and we had a South Asian running for office, Dr. Preetash Gandhi, and he actually got into the runoff uh, on the Democratic primary side, and he will be in the runoff against Mike Siegel. And the current incumbent is uh, Michael McCall. And this seems to be, um, excuse me, this seems to be uh, a district that Democrats seem to think that they may have a chance of flipping. Um, and I think this will be an interesting race to watch because it's not considered to be as close as maybe some of the other ones um, that are kind of in that purple area, but seems to be one that may be on the cusp of uh, becoming purple. So 
I think this will be one fun race to watch for sure. And again, if you want to vote in the Democratic um, runoff race, May 26th is the date for that. And let's move on to House District 22. Poonam, do you want to do this one or should I do this one? Um, go for it. All right, so House District 22 encompasses the cities of Pearland, Sugarland, and Katy. So these are the suburbs um, outside of Houston. And Shri Preston Kulkarni, who had run two years ago, um, he won his primary back then and lost to Pete Olson, who is currently in office on the Republican side and has actually decided that he will not be um, running for re-election. Uh, so Shri uh, ran again and he won um, and will not be going into a primary runoff race. And I think it's really interesting about Shri is that when he ran last time, he really targeted the South Asian community in his district and really ran a multilingual campaign. And it was kind of the first of its kind. It got quite a bit of national attention. Um, and so, you know, he has won again. And I think it'll be interesting to see how South Asians really turn out uh, for this election, especially since it's a presidential race. Um, the Republican side, um, there will be a runoff. So if you're in House District 22 and you voted in the Republican primary, you can vote in the Republican runoff and the candidates would be Troy Nels and Kathleen Wall. And of course, with all of these candidates, if they're listening to us, we are more than happy to do a podcast interview with y'all to, especially since this is a high South Asian population, we'd love to hear y'all's message of how you are reaching out to South Asian voters. And next up is House District 24. Poonam, you want to take that one? Sure. So, um, fun fact, this is actually my district. Um, it's a Tarrant County district, so uh, Fort Worth area that goes through um, a lot of the, what we call here in DFW mid-cities. Um, and again, another part of Texas where there is um, a lot of South Asian families. Uh, so in this race, the incumbent um, Republican Kenny Merchant isn't seeking re-election. Um, so there was a number of people running on the Republican side to fill the incumbent's role. Uh, there, there was a clear front runner, and that's Beth Van Doyne. She got 54.3% of the vote, um, and she is the former mayor of Irving. Um, I'll come back in just a moment on a little bit more about her. On the Democratic side, there um, is a runoff. <laughs> so you're actually kind of catching a theme here. Um, it, there's two candidates, Kim Olson and Can Candace Valenzuela. 40.9% um, of the vote went to Kim Olson, and 304 went to Candace. Uh, but that, that is sufficient for a runoff. So, again, um, folks will come out in May and select the candidate who will eventually um, run against Beth Van Doyne. And, and here, you know, I said I'd come back to this. Um, just a little bit of history on the Republican candidate here. Um, Beth Van Doyne, in, in her time in Irving, um, was known for um, some 
basically some attitudes um, that were Islamophobic. And it's um, unfortunate that that has become um, somewhat of a reputation among the South Asian community. Um, I, I know that uh, a lot of people might remember um, there was a school child, a South Asian school child, who made a clock and was accused of making a bomb. Um, that story comes out of Irving area, and, and she was accused for some of the leadership that happened there, um, and the, you know, a child having to kind of deal with biases. So, interesting backstory there, kind of a direct impact to our South Asian community, and also a part of Texas that has a good amount of South Asian families. So, um, we'll watch that race uh, for District 24, both for the runoff and then in November. And I also wanted to add on the Republican side, who is running against Beth, is Sunny Chaparala, who is also a f- um, first Asian, first, sorry, first generation South Asian American. And uh, she she only got 5.6% of the vote. But it seemed, you know, with a district that had such a heavy South Asian population, there was a South Asian person running for office. Um so I think that's something important to kind of highlight. Um, I'm going to talk about Congressional District 31, which uh, encompasses like north of Austin, Round Rock, um, goes up to 35, up until like the Temple area. And if you've ever driven on 35, you know where Temple is. It's one of those cities that you pass through that always has a bunch of construction. Um, if you haven't, then consider yourself very blessed. <laughs> so... Uh, Congressional District 31, uh, on the Democratic side, we again have another runoff, and it's Christine Edie Mann and Donna Imam. And you may remember Donna Imam because we did a podcast interview with her a couple months ago, and she is a South Asian uh, that is running for office in that district. And on the Republican side, the incumbent John Carter has um, won. And this isn't a district that um, people are seeing for it to be, you know, flippable or that it's kind of purple. So I think um, it'll be really interesting to see how uh, Donna Imam does because that district hasn't really been known to showcase a lot of diversity, even though there has been a lot of South Asians moving into that Round Rock and North Austin areas. I'm very curious to see if, if South Asian turnout will be really big to boost Donna Imam up to win the runoff and potentially, and if she was to, and if she was to win uh, the race in November. So I think this will be one to watch out for to see how South Asians do in terms of voting and if they get out the vote and if they were to get out the vote, if they were to vote for her as well. And I believe our last district that we wanted to talk about is House District 35. Uh, And this is encompassing the Austin area, which has a pretty significant South Asian population. And Lloyd Doggett, who's the incumbent for the Democratic side, um, easily won his primary. And the Republican side will go into a runoff. And those candidates are Jenny Garcia-Sharon and Guillermo William Hayward. And... You know, just a fun little tidbit is in order for a candidate runoff to occur, um, well, first, if candidates get more than 50% 
of the votes, then they are considered the winner and they don't need to go for a candidate runoff. But if there are candidates uh, that are unable to break that 50%, the top two candidates end up going for a runoff. Am I right, Poonam? Yeah. All right. So let's uh, quickly kind of talk about how voter turnout was before we hit the, uh, like the state races. Um, did, do we know like how many Republicans turned out to vote? How many Democrats turned out to vote? Yeah, so I mean, looking at Texas, um, you know, one of the stories for Texas generally is that we don't have the best voter turnout, um, you know, generally. But if you look at this particular Super Tuesday um, and, and early voting, um, it, it, it was exciting in the sense that more people came out to vote than in 2016. Um, and, it, you know, it does it, it seem like voting is becoming uh, more common here. It, it, you know, I think we're starting to slowly but surely change the tide. So we had about 2 million on both sides, um, 2 million Republicans come out for the primary and 2 million Democrats come out for the primary. Um, but still, this is only a small percentage of What's that percentage? Uh, I think it's 25%. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's really one in four people that are registered to vote um, come out for the primary. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely um, talk a lot more about voter turnout and um, getting out the vote leading into November. Of course, I think people come out more in the general election. But, um you know, it just, it just it is interesting to see. And we do have a lot of early voting days here in Texas, so there's plenty of opportunities to vote. Um, but it does seem like, like it's still we, we aren't able to get that many people out. Um, at the same time, there was a lot of news about the long lines. You know, yes, some people, some people waited, some guy waited seven hours, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So that is truly... Um, one, you know, it's one reason why I, I know I was trying to stay up and see. I wanted to know how Texas was going to do, but it was 10 o'clock and people were still waiting to, to you know, cast their vote because they'd been there at 7 o'clock um, when it closed. And so they, they were allowed to stand in line and vote. Um, so, anyways, I think that is that's an issue. It's a big discussion. Oh, yeah. Some people found it as like a poll tax because they felt that it targeted minority communities. And those are the communities that also work a lot of the blue collar jobs. And so they're literally taking a whole day off to try and just go vote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there's a real question there of, you know, are we doing enough to make it accessible to go vote? And, And whenever you do um, take the time out to be there and, you know, be an active citizen. It shouldn't take six or seven hours. Um, so I think it's interesting because those news stories can kind of go through like, wow, look, so many people went out to vote that there was a long line. But then on the flip side, it's like, wait, why are we making it so inefficient that anybody would have to wait that long in line? Um, we should just have more locations or um, you know, and that might require more volunteers and more investment, but well, the other it thing is like that's what we need. Texas closed a lot more polling locations than normal. 
like uh, that was something that was really big in the news about how much Texas had, you know, really restricted access already as it is for those communities that are more rural or that are in minority areas because I'm not exactly sure what their reasoning was, but they had closed down a lot of polling sites that are usually open for election day. So I'm sure that had a part to play with it. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's a, it's an important question and, you know, maybe something we should um, continue to look into. I, I just think it's, it's something that we need to address before November comes around. We certainly don't want people to be discouraged from voting or to turn around and leave because they can't invest, you know, six hours. Um, yeah, I know another just interesting quick point, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but another thing to remember is... Um, in Texas, we used to have a, a down ballot situation where if you came in and you were voting at the top of the ticket for a certain party, you could automatically collect the rest of the ticket in that regard. So if you were coming in and said, I'm voting Republican, you just kind of check one box, Republican, and your whole ballot is filled out as Republican. Um, and we, we don't do that anymore. So um, now it does require folks to go down the ballot more and study and, and you know really think about who you're selecting. And I, I, I haven't I've been looking for the data and I haven't found it yet. Um, but I'll keep looking. I'm curious to see if more people just skip the rest of the ballot. Um, yeah. Change. Well, what's so, also interesting is Texas Democrats have filed a lawsuit against that. I believe they filed it today about yeah, straight ticket voting. Too. Yeah. So I think that'll also be interesting to play out. And if they think it's going to play out, I think they're really concerned about down ballot races. So I think, I mean, I don't know if that result will come about to where they can make that change before the November election or if it would be, if even if they were to win or what, how it would be implemented you know yeah but let's move on to those texas house races so texas house races are the races that uh, they are completely different district than your congressional race and they are the representatives that represent you in austin in dealing with state politics and there were actually not as many south asians running on state races but we had a couple and one of them i want to highlight is from Texas House District 14, which actually encompasses the College Station area, there was a 20-year-old college student by the name of Reza Rahman that ran for office on uh, the Democratic primary. Uh, he didn't end up winning, but I think it's really interesting to see that someone that young who is still in college uh, was running for office, and he, if he had, you know, maybe coincidentally won, he would have been the youngest representative uh, in the Texas House. Um, but I think it's really cool to see someone of South Asian heritage and of someone that young that is running for office. What about what do you think, Puna? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one of the things that we hope we can shed light on by interviewing folks who are running for office, you know, we always ask them, why did you jump into the race? And, you know, we know it's, it's public service. It requires a lot of time and energy to run for office. Um but it's been really interesting to hear why people get in the race. And I think the more uh, people that do it, you know, people who don't typically run for office, you know, young people, um, people from different minority communities, um, I think it's inspiring and it, it allows other folks to think, okay, maybe I could do that too. So, 
um, hopefully we get to continue highlighting more of that as time goes on and, and more people take up the challenge. Yeah, and, and one thing I think is kind of important to know is, you know, when you run for Congress, that's, uh, that's your full-time job. Those people that represent you in D.C., that's their full-time job. Now, those that represent you on the state level, Texas isn't one of those that they give you a big salary to make that your full-time job. They only get $7,500. That's it. So everybody else that represents you in Austin has a full-time job, and they take this on additionally uh, to their full-time job. And, you know, Texas only meets once every two years, and it's every odd year that they meet um, to pass legislation. But I think that's something important to note. So... When you think of a college student, uh, you know, taking on like seventy five hundred, um, and I think that's just really admirable to 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 see that type of motivation to get out there and do that. Um, I want to talk about Ta- Texas House District twenty six. Uh, that area encompasses Fort Bend County, which um, has the city of Sugarland and parts of Katy. And we had two South Asians running on the Democratic uh, ballot, and that was Suleiman Lalani and Rish Oberoi. So Suleiman Lalani uh, ended up getting a higher percentage, and his opponent, who was Rish Oberoi, didn't make it to the runoff, but another person that was running on their ticket is Sarah De Merchant, and she will be in the runoff against Suleiman Lalani, which again is going to be May 26th, and the Republicans will actually also have a runoff as well, and their candidates are Matt Morgan and J.C. Jetton, and I think, again, it's going to be interesting as you're watching the congressional race with Sri, how much he's able to gain the South Asian momentum. I wonder if that's going to come on down-ballot races, too, uh, for South Asians on this statewide race. Um, if Suleiman Malani is the one to win it for in the primary runoff. What do you think, Puna? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, just to kind of highlight again, especially in those uh, districts that have a lot of South Asian people, I think it's really exciting to see um, candidates stepping up to the plate. And, uh, you know, runoffs are really um, – an you know, of course, it's a really difficult thing to have to go through a runoff when you've already put in so much work. But at the same time, it keeps the excitement going for a campaign and um, can kind of bridge the gap between the primary time frame and the November time frame. If you can continue building momentum and getting volunteers and knocking on doors, um, it, it can be fruitful. It's obviously, if you're victorious and then you're kind of going into November with an extra boost. So um, really fun to watch. I think we'll definitely spend some time, you know, if, if you follow us on, on social media, on Instagram or Facebook, we'll, we'll be, um, you know, covering the runoffs and, and following these races um, all the way through November. Exactly. And one other state um, one that I wanted to highlight with the South Asian candidate was Texas House District 27. Now, this is held by Democrats. Ron Reynolds is the current in- incumbent, and he won his primary easily. Uh, but the Republicans, Tom Virapan and Manish Seth, uh, ran against each other in the Republican primary, and Tom ended up winning. What's interesting is Manish Seth was endorsed by Governor Abbott. 
and apparently that endorsement didn't seem to hold as much weight in terms of this uh, in this particular election. So um, I think that's kind of interesting to note because it seems, you know, maybe because this House district has consistently been Democratic, maybe Governor Abbott's endorsement doesn't hold as much sway as it could in maybe a more purple or more Republican district. But now that we've covered a lot of the South Asian candidates that ran on the congressional and state levels, we kind of wanted to talk to you all about some races to watch, which have heavy South Asian populations. And the voter turnout was very fascinating to see. And um, since I, I grew up in the Collin County area, I found it very fascinating to see Texas House District 66 and 67. Um, and these are the areas uh, House District 66 represents, um, you know, parts of West Plano and uh, Carrollton. And House District 67 um, has other parts of Plano as well as Allen and McKinney. And both of those areas and districts have always been very red. And their current representatives for 66 is Matt Shaheen and 67 is Jeff Leach. Um, have been in very safe districts. And in 2018, you know, Matt Shaheen won his re-election by less than one percentage point and Jeff Leach won his re-election by less than three percentage points. So we are starting to see that shift in Collin County. And these are areas that have very high South Asian populations, right? Um, I think it was very interesting to see that when you add the numbers of, you know, the votes, within the Democratic primary and the Republican primary. For Democrats, Sharon Hirsch won her primary, and then her opponent got a significant number of votes, but their total number of votes was 15,797. Matt Sheen had no opponent, but his votes were 10,002. So I'm curious, you know, we did see that we had like 2 million from each party turnout but granted, there could are there more registered Democrats in District 66 now um, than there are Republicans? Uh, this was like a heavily red area. It seems like that potentially could be changing. Have South Asians had a role to play in this, in this turnout? I think that would be really fascinating to watch. Um, and simultaneously for House District 67, uh, we have a runoff that's going to happen. And this is Jeff Leach, Leach's district. Um, he won his primary easily had no opponents, um, but Tom Adair and uh, Lorenzo Sanchez, I believe, will be heading to a runoff. But again, the numbers of the n Democrats that voted in that district, 14,563, whereas um, for the Republican, it's at 11,808. So again, same kind of questions. Are those numbers, because people didn't go all the way down the ballot, are there more Democrats there? Um, again, how much will South Asians play a role in these two house districts um, in, in if, how they're going to maybe are they going to try and flip it? Are they going to vote more Republican? I think it'll be really interesting to watch. Um, and Poonam, I'd love your take on this. Yeah, I think, you know, an interesting thing to see about what's happening here in Texas, um, we get really excited about obviously the presidential race about um, U.S. congressional races and, you know, Senate race, like all the energy that came around 
ghetto. But what's interesting to look at is our in our state houses. Um, you know, it, it has been a, they're heavily Republican for for a you know, good amount of time now. Um, and what's interesting to see is whether these uh, districts will even, even that number out a little bit. Um, and in fact, you know, speaking of Beto and all the energy he brought to that Senate race, that has been his primary focus since getting out of the presidential, is coming back to Texas and looking at the state house and saying, you know, what can, what can we do to even that out? Um, so that's kind of interesting that there seems to be a good amount of energy being put there. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of uh, folks really focus on the bigger races, but um, what what you know, laws are are made locally, and and a lot of what happens in Texas is what happens at the state house, and um, can't ignore those races, and certainly should keep an eye on these districts that are just changing so much. Um, the suburbia vote has was, was really, I know we're going to get into the presidential a little bit, but suburbia vote has become a real thing. Um, oh, yeah. Because I think, you know, that, it, of course, there's rural and there's urban, but um, the suburbs have a personality, too. <laughs> so I think some of these suburbs are defining who they are, and uh, it's an interesting time. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that, and I think, well, one, I want to kind of pivot back to Jeff Leach, because I know that, you know, unfortunately, the anti-Sharia legislation in the Texas legislature, that passed last session in 2019. But a couple years before that, Jeff Leach, you know, who is the representative of a significant Muslim and South Asian population, you know, authored that bill. And it didn't go anywhere during that time. But, you know, he stated later on that he regretted authoring that bill. But still in 2019, he still voted for it, um, for it to be passed. And I, I'm curious if how much um, how much our community knows about that, and if that is playing a factor in these elections, you know. And I think a lot of the um, races that we have just been talking about uh, with the results, a lot of that has to do with these are not super like you know these aren't races that are winning by like huge margins, right? Like they're winning by a couple hundred or a couple thousand votes. And these are votes that South Asians can really partake in and can swing it one way or the other, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. really important for us to highlight because it's, it's, it's been really fascinating to like look at the data and look at the numbers of how a lot of these districts are turning out and realizing what is the impact or the implications us as South Asians can make in some of these elections that while people think maybe their vote doesn't matter in presidential, but it matters so much in some of these races. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, you know, we've, we've gotten to a point now where the races in terms of percentage point are, um, they're, they're very close, right? Sometimes they're, it could be, let's just say a 3% difference. And the Asian elect- electorate in some of these given communities is more than 3%. So just looking at that alone, um, you know, you could say that a- the Asian or South Asian community could have the ability to impact the outcome. Um, and especially when you look at these 
smaller races because um, you can pinpoint a geographic area um, and, and realize, like, okay, it just it does tend to be that minority communi- communities um, sometimes select in a certain area, um, you know, that just we gather around certain businesses or certain fam- families and um, places of worship and things like that. So it, it, it actually makes it even more um, interesting, specifically looking at this Plano Richardson area, um, where again, if you're, if you're in DSW, then you, you kind of can visualize what we're talking about, but yeah, it's same with Fort Bend, right? I mean, yeah. Um, I think overall, I think it was really exciting when I was going through the data, and I was like, "Wow, there have been so many South Asians running for office," and I wasn't even counting like the local levels, right? Like, you know, for judge or for those running for you know county chair. I mean, there were so many South Asians running for office in Texas which I don't know, like five, 10 years ago, I would have never thought of counting this many. Like I would have been excited for one or two, right? And regardless of party lines, in both parties, we're seeing South Asians really um, put a stake in running for office, which I think is super exciting. Um, but I wanna talk quickly about the presidential race. Um, I think, you know, we all know that Joe Biden won Texas Um, I think it's interesting to note that Donald Trump won. I mean, we all knew that Donald Trump was going to win the Republican primary, but I mean, he had 1.8 million votes for him. And I think the reason why I find that interesting is simply because he was such a controversial figure, not was, still is to an extent, but for the Republican Party um, in 2016, there seemed to be so much backlash um, with Republicans thinking that they may primary him out. Um, it didn't happen in 2016. There was talk that even after he got elected, they would try for 2020, and it doesn't seem like that happened at all. Like, it seems that he was the main candidate. There have been no um, no people that really, you know, contested against him. We have Bill Weld, but he doesn't seem to be doing that well. And I think what's really interesting is that you had a lot of uncommitted Republicans um, that was 71,359 votes, where Bill Weld only got a little over 15,000 votes. So that 71,000 seems pretty interesting to me. I don't know what you think, Poonam, but... Yeah, I mean, I think what's, you know, interesting to note here is, whereas, especially in Texas, we're still trying to make voter turnout um, a habit, right? It does seem like when it comes to the Republican Party, you know, almost 2 million people came out and voted for Donald Trump basically just as an exercise, right? Because it's, it's not super, it's not, he's the incumbent. It's not right. critical. There are not debates going on right now over who will be you know, the Republican uh, candidate. You know, it's, it's a given more or less. So the fact that that many people come out to exercise their vote and to vote for um, Donald Trump was, was interesting to me just on that basis alone. I think that a lot of um there's a lot of Republican voters in Texas that come out consistently and vote Republican consistently um, and, you know, wouldn't give a second thought to coming out and, and voting for Donald Trump just to um, exercise that right. So certainly it does, I think it gives us a little bit of insight into where um, the work would have to go to, to you know, as people theorize 
could Texas go purple um, at some point? Um, you know, it's an interesting conversation. Texas is obviously a quickly changing demographic. You know, we've got the census coming out soon that'll um, help kind of clarify what that demographic really looks like. But uh, ultimately, I think this does just show us, at least for the, for the primary, it showed us that the, the 2 million people will come out and vote for Donald Trump, um, even, even when there's nothing at stake um, for the Republican primary. So that's pretty astounding. Well, um, have... he, has, he has a lot of support yeah. in parties. And, and, I mean, John Cornyn also didn't have a tough primary. Like, it was more the down-ballot races, right? So I wonder, and I'm curious to see if if Democrats would do the same in Texas, even if the presidential primary wasn't really a big one, right? Um, If, you know, there was an incumbent running. And I think, to me personally, I think it's very telling when people think that Texas is going to be a swing state, and I personally don't think so. I think it's still going to be Republican, um, just the way that you're seeing um, voter turnout. As you stated, like, Republicans are showing up. You know, Donald Trump was easily going to win his primary, same with John Cornyn. You know, not many people come out for down-ballot races, so I think it was kind of telling. um, Yeah, yeah, Of how Republicans are, and they they are very strong when it comes out to showing up to vote. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, that is the takeaway from those numbers. Um, I do think I had a kind of a fun time looking at the Texas map and seeing where the voted votes fell between Bernie and Biden. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of as a reminder, I know people are probably getting this information through a lot of sources already, but just as a reminder... Um, this, these uh, Super Tuesday states, um, you, you know, there's a winner declared, but Bernie Sanders will get a number of delegates from a lot of these states um, because he got sufficient percentage of the vote to get some of the delegates, even though he's not the winner in Texas, for right. example. So if you're above um, 15%, you're considered viable, right? And you get some delegates. Yeah, and I... Uh, I'm, I'm intending to post some of that data, you know, once we kind of get it organized. I think it's um, important to kind of keep track of, of where it's going. Another fun thing to look at for, for Texas is just um, the votes uh, on Joe Biden and, and where, where Bernie kind of came away with it. The, the geography really, I think, was interesting. So Austin went for Bernie. Um, San Antonio went for Bernie, and um, a lot of South Texas went for Bernie. El Paso went for Bernie by um, Beto's last-minute uh, endorsement of Joe Biden. Um, and then some of the Panhandle counties that are smaller um, went for Bernie also. So it's just really interesting to kind of see um, what the opinions are of, of Texans uh, across you know, our very, very diverse state of Texas. Um, yeah, he seemed to, Bernie seemed to do well with, like, the Latino vote. I, I heard that they called him Theo Bernie, um, in, in a lot of the RGV, the Rio Grande Valley area, um, but it seems like Biden is doing well with African Americans, and that held true even in Texas. Yeah, so I think in Texas, um, what we saw was 
you know, true in a lot of the other states too, like California, um, the Latino vote there definitely helped carry Bernie Sanders. Um, You know, in in Texas, uh, one of the things I was talking about earlier seemed to happen where the suburbia vote um, really did matter. And kind of the suburb areas right outside of big cities went pretty clearly for Biden. And so they kind of talk about, like, these soccer mom voters. Those but tend to be that's Biden, a lot Biden of South voters. Asian voters, too, right? Like, these South Asian voters are in a lot of these suburbia areas. And, um, you know, it's very interesting to see that, you know, granted we're not as large as maybe the Hispanic or African-American populations, but I guess it didn't hold as much weight um, for maybe this primary. Yeah. um, You know, looking at it kind of bigger scale outside of Texas, I was reading about the exit polls and the Asian American vote, right? We're not able to really talk specifically about the South Asian American vote, but when you look at the Asian American vote, um, it's, Getting to a point now where our population is growing, that candidates really ought to be thinking about what can I do to attract the Asian American vote. Um, you know, in in some some states, like I was saying, it's enough of uh, it's enough people to constitute the swing that you need. Um, and the interesting thing about Asian American voters that they learned in the exit polls, and these are NBCs exit polls, um, is that when asked, you know, will you definitely be voting for the Democratic candidate, for example? So these are people, Asian Americans, who are voting in the Democratic primary, and when asked, will you definitely vote for the Democratic candidate, they actually say no more often than the African American voters, the Latino voters, or the white Democratic voters. And what that tells me really is that Asian Americans haven't really defined themselves as a Democratic voting bloc, and um, it's a very, it's just, I, I was, you know, commenting earlier, it's almost like you've got swing states, well, the Asian American population is a swing population, <laughs> you know, you you could really attract those voters, but you have to work for it, kind of like you have to work for those swing states, um, Yeah, but but at the same time, it's a growing population, and I think it's uh, it, we'll, we'll see kind of in time. Um, I'm always keeping an eye out. I know they did the um, they did um, you know kind of an Asian American town hall where they really addressed APA issues and and talked to the Asian community. And that was really interesting to hear candidates address that. But we don't usually hear that from the candidates right. um, that often. I think this was like a first so, time. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think this was one where, um, you know, you had AAPI, you had some of the Democratic candidates um, reach out for, like, Muslim voters. I know, like, Elizabeth Warren put out, like, a plan about for Muslim Americans. I I know that she's dropped out of the race, but, you know, that was very rare to see. We saw Bernie put out, you know, his, like, kind of plans in different languages, um, like in Urdu, Punjabi, Bengali, Hindi. Um, we have heard that President Trump is actually, um, he recorded some ads while he was in India visiting Prime Minister Modi to target the Indian American community. So 
it, it's been really interesting to watch, like within both political parties, how some of the candidates, the presidential candidates, are starting to reach out uh, to our communities, um, and that we are not monolithic within one voting block or one political party. We are like a swing party, a swing swing block, I guess. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that'll be another fun thing that we'll we'll continue to look for good data and share that in our wise up platforms. Um, you know, I think part of the part of the um, issue sometimes is we don't have that much data to talk about the South Asian vote or you know um, the Muslim vote or the Bengali vote or you know you really just don't have like that detailed data. Um, but maybe the onus is on us in our community to kind of start thinking more about data and and uh, analyzing our own communities and, and how we vote and why. Um, I know from the same exit poll that I was talking about earlier, healthcare was the number one issue um, when talking to Asian American voters. Um, so, you know, it, but what I've, one thing I've kind of learned is you know, healthcare. When you look at a poll like that, is a very broad thing. Um, yeah. People actually mean different things when they're talking about healthcare. Some of them are saying like, "I want universal healthcare." Some of them are saying, "And you know, I I want to make sure I have quality healthcare." So it, it's interesting because I don't think people even all are um, intending to mean the same thing when they indicate that healthcare is your number one priority, but. Um, Regardless, that is what comes up on the data right now. Yeah. Well, I think um, we've given the listeners a lot to think about, a lot of interesting data. Um, and we hope that you all will continue to stay tuned with us as we continue to give you all information as you know runoff votes progress. We'll have local city council elections also coming up in May. We'll have some candidate interviews then. And, of course, as the November election rolls around, we'll definitely be trying to give y'all all the information that y'all need to be informed voters when you get to the polls. Um, we hope you enjoyed this segment with us today. And don't forget uh, to check out our website, www.wiseuptx.org. And, you know, we're on all plat- social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Look at our handle, at WiseUpTX. And remember, everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving food.